I'm Heather. And I'm Rochelle. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts of Nature vs. Narcissism, a true crime podcast mixed with some dark humor. Sometimes we have alcohol. Sometimes we have guests. Sacramento, California. Canton, Michigan. Green River, Honolulu, Hawaii. Omaha, Nebraska. Niagara, North Dakota. Gloucester, United Kingdom. Dakota County, Wyoming. Epizoyacan, Hidalgo. Mexico, Flint, Michigan, Boston, Massachusetts, Phoenix, Arizona, Woodruff, South Carolina, Edmonton, York, Hudson Valley, New York. In season two, we will examine notorious killers in cities across the globe from A to Z. We'll delve into their criminal history as well as their upbringing to try to determine why these killers commit these violent acts. Was it nature? Was it nurture? Or was, or was it, it plain old narcissism? Find us on your favorite podcast streaming service or visit murder.ly. Travel with us to the Garden of Eden, where a newly minted prophet will run off with the entire female population of a small organ town. Mr. Steal Your Girl swings a big salami, and it would lead to his untimely demise. fuck is that yeah it's like a freelancing website uh somebody was telling me that i should like try and get voice work okay and uh so i signed up for it aren't you supposed to there you go you're supposed to submit samples and then people can look at it i got a sample for you 57 fucking episodes of this podcast oh oh, you submitted that no i didn't but i put in my (laughs) resume that i'm a uh podcast producer uh, 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 master audio editor. Okay. All uh, right. I know how to use an interface. Okay. And I called myself an amateur sound engineer. There you go. I like it. It fits the bill. Yeah. I was watching this streamer, and she's a college student. For it was something like her mom had helped her fill out her resume. And she put on there a uh, professional Twitch streamer as one of her, like, professions. I guess she gets money for it. Yeah. It's yeah, just if you like, get paid for something, you're a professional. Do you know why? Oh, speaking of that, real quick. What? Get right back to that story. Okay. Remember it. Twitch streamer, female. Resume Amateur. Mom. Do you know where that comes from? No. The Latin word ama, which means for the love. Oh. So, you do it for the love, amateur. You do it for money, professional. So, so there you go. So amateur has a lot more respect behind it than a professional. Though. Absolutely. So I'm an amateur depressed man. <laughs> no, you're pro. You're going pro. Wait, I don't get paid for it. Well, you're getting paid you, in suicide bucks. You are a professional bass player. We have yeah. gotten paid. And a professional bricklayer. Mm. We don't do a lot of brick. You're a professional stone, stone layer. What's the difference between brick and stone? What do you mean? Bricks are made out of clay. Wow. Well, is that it still true? comes from yes. the earth. It still comes from the earth. And no, it's... so brick you like stack up. Like we've done a little brick, but we tend to avoid it because it just fucking sucks. And then stone, you have to butter the stone as long as you're doing thin veneer and you stick it on the wall. <laughs> oh, so the whole thing's not made out of stone. No. It's a fake wall. It's like you take that wall there. Yeah. You put glue rocks on it. Yeah, basically, you know, tar paper. You put some mesh on there. You put uh, a scratch coat of mortar on there so it'll stick. And then you and then you fill in you the gaps. Yeah, that's where grout bags come into play. Oh, are those like pastry bags? They are identical. <laughs> wow, that'd be Except amazing if there's a big like. Uh, what are they, the frosting pipe bags? Yeah, piping, piping bags. Yeah, piping bags. I yeah, know, except grout bags are made out of like. Strong ass material, I suppose. Not like cool ass parchment. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> frosting bags aren't that weak, are they? 
No, they're but they have to be strong because you're gripping the fuck out of them. Yeah. But I assume mortar is a little bit harder than frostring. Yeah, frostring. That's that's my new frosting. Like grout bags have helped me develop god tier grip strength. Mm. So so with your improved fingers, then you have improved your base finger play. blasting ba- bass playing. <laughs> Are you playing yeah. the clit like a guitar? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm like a pro DJ when it comes to that shit now. Oh, he slaps oh, yeah. both of them, so glad. <laughs> <laughs> Is this getting you off? Yeah, you like that? <laughs> I understand what was Claypool's uh, success now. No shit. Is that his name? Yeah, that's yeah. his name. Primus. Liz yeah. Claiborne. Liz I think Claiborne. you're thinking of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not too many well-known bassists outside of him. Are you kidding me? Who else? Flea. Well, Flea, yeah, Flea's... Uh, Matt Freeman from the Red... Or from Rancid. No. Guy from Rush. Getty Lee. Tom Getty Sawyer. Lee. Okay. Guy from um, Iron Maiden. Steve Harris. They used to fight on stage, him and Bruce. They would fight over yep. center stage. <laughs> Dude, uh, God, what's Steve Harris's nickname? It's like Thunder Fingers or something. <laughs> because you listen to some Maiden you know, parts. He's finger blasted. Yeah, no, you listen to, like, some Maiden parts, and it's just like... <laughs> And he doesn't use a pick. That's all just... You're kidding me. ...his index and middle finger. They have wow. to be permanently, like, deformed. Dude, I don't know, but that man is amazing. Hmm. Oh, Victor Wooten? No idea. Well, inform me who the hell... Victor whatever. Sexy Rex Brown. Um, I think he was the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. He was the bassist for Pantera. Mm-hmm. And down. They kicked him out of down. And damage a, plan. And damage plan. Because <laughs> he's a... Uh, uh, rampant alcoholic. He dead? Is he dead? No, but he had pancreatitis and some cirrhosis, and he was hiding bottles doing the old alcoholic trick. Yep. I can see why you liked him. Yeah, <laughs> we had a lot in common, me and Sexy Okay, Rexy. so he would have been Daryl's brother, right? No, that's no. Dime and Vinny, our yep. brother. Okay, Dime and Vinny, okay. Both of them, R.I.P. in peace. Mm, that's right, we lost Vinny Paul this year. Last year. Is he the heroin one? Technically. No, that's Dime. That's... Well, no, that's Phil. That's Dime Phil, didn't do Phil. heroin. Dime okay. was drink. Okay. All well, right. Phil's sober now, isn't he? And he has been for a while. Sober-ish. He <laughs> drinks still. Oh, he still drinks? And that's kind of what got him in trouble at that machine head thing. Or like the salute to Dime Bag. Yeah. Where he's like, white power! And like doing the Nazi salute and shit. <sighs> he was Stone Cold Sober for a long time. And then he started sipping beers, I saw in an interview. And then like, it was full blown right back to it. Then yep. pretty much. It's like, okay, there you go. That's a reinforcement. Reinforcement. I'm assuming that's all he knows, really. Partying. Yeah. Diving off speakers and breaking his back. Like, how old would have he been when Pantera took off? They they were having to sneak him into shows when they first started because he was under 18. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's basically all he's ever known. When you say when they first started, do you mean? No, I don't mean way back. Okay, (laughs) not when they were a hair metal band. (laughs) Oh, were they still called Pantera then? Uh, they changed their name at some point. I yeah. can't remember what their original name was, but it was pretty pretty glammy. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they certainly carved out a nice niche for themselves. Hell yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam, sitting across from me. This week is Jordan. Oh, hello. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, I believe. I think so. I'm on a hot streak. At j.j.fox on Instagram. If you want to see feeling cute memes uh, starring Jordan, give him a Dude, follow. that one post. Good old Phil. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. I should just start posting nothing but feeling cute with pictures oh of Phil on there. <laughs> Felt cute might live in Guam later. I don't know. Fucking Phil's a beast. He did really well oh, on fuck that Oh, fuck yeah. He did. He did. I was incredibly happy about Tore that. Tore it up. Jordan, how was your week this week? Not too shabby. <laughs> you did well? Did well. It was a real, uh, I'm, I can't even say doozy of a week. It was just a real kind of lame week at work. Oh, yeah, because you were just burning pallets. Well, and yesterday we power washed a building. But that's fun. And not when you're the one who has to uh, scrub the <laughs> acid on it. Okay, yeah, that's not yeah, fun. Yeah, that. Did it, did you get it where it, like, comes off of there and hits you and it kind of burns a little bit? You get a nice yeah. little mist on your it's, forehead? It's diluted muriatic acid. Uh-huh. Yep. I've cleaned a uh, semi-trailer before with that and it uh, feel it doesn't feel right. 
to be no, like it's not bird, like so. painful. It's just no. really annoying. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was working at the hardware store. I dropped a full case of it, and then it, like, splashed all over me. I was like, like, at first, I was, like, just washing it off. I was like, it it just feels like you have a super bad sunburn, and then it starts to hurt for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Did you look at what the prolonged effects to that were? Eh, who cares? We're all going to die anyway. (laughs) I wish wish that one. That's why I smoke cigarettes. Yeah. I wish that one guy would come back to uh, work and warn us about all the deaths. (laughs) Man, that guy was awesome. <laughs> I knew a guy that had bone cancer mm-hmm. from spraying acid every day. <laughs> I knew another guy with a ponytail got his fucking head ripped clean uh, off my <laughs> The best was uh, the one, it was like someone had got it on their hands and they just put over a glove over it and later that day they cut all their fingers off yeah. <laughs> and amputate <laughs> all their fingers. Dude, that is scary though. I got, yeah. acid, I got wheel acid on my jacket without realizing it when I was in Wash Bay. <laughs> And the next day when I woke up, it was like pussy and yellow Ugh. and like, like shit was running out of it. Oh, so uh, I went to work and I was like, hey, Trent, this is pretty fucked up. <laughs> so then the dude was like, or uh, he was like, Zeb, you got to take him to the hospital right now. They just put like KY jelly and some kind of silver <laughs> extract on there. And apparently that pulls the acid out or something. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what they would put on there. KY jelly. I know it was KY jelly because I saw on the uh, the label. I was like, "That's hilarious." They just ca- they don't call it like lubricant or anything. It's straight up KY jelly and well, assu- silver. Well, I assume that would help it. Whatever the substances glide over your skin, mm. like maybe this is already soaked into his skin and causing damage, but, Cody. But the silver substance is what's pulling it out of there, not That's the what KY. I think, yeah. KY. So it must be some sort of metal maybe or something yeah maybe maybe yeah. it's like magnetic somehow or like bonds the mm. that's crazy i do don't you, know do you have a scar no i don't even have discoloration maybe you're immune to wheel acid i Listen, did bring the, the shitload <laughs> the only way to find out is to dip him in a barrel Ugh. that shit is so gross i don't even think they use that anymore they don't i think it's, it's out. i don't even think you can buy it <laughs> It's so toxic, you had to buy it from, like, the shadiest dealers around. And the best is, it, we just wash it right down the drain. Oh. Like, it, it, and in the in the sink, too. Like, if you're oh. filling up wheel acid yeah. and you're, like, washing off the outside yeah. or you dump a little down, it's like, this, okay, we're the worst. We're the one from the fucking Lorax. <laughs> All right, sitting across from me, thank you, Jordan. Sitting across from me is Cody at Bumblebutt Podcast Mm. on Instagram. Cody, how was your week? It's been a week already. It's uh, been a long week. It feels like a long week for some reason. It's only, well, I guess it's Thursday, technically. We're recording early today. Yeah, Jordan's fault for that. Jordan has the hobber-dobber this week. You're goddamn right. Hopefully I can add another one of these bad boys to the the table. Oh, that's what it is, a curling thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's a Goddamn curling tournament, it's man. It's the Hobber Dobber Invitational, bro. Yes. It's presented by the St. Paul Curling Club, bro. I feel like Adam's just eyed up this trophy a lot. Do you, do I uh, I had to look it up because my ma asked me if I want to go to Cassettes. I was like, ah, we got to record early because Jordan's got to go to some stupid curling thing this weekend. She's like, what's it called? I was like, I want to say Hobber Dobber. But, and and then you are like, very <laughs> correct. <laughs> so then I looked up their Twitter. Okay, so is that a, like a German word or something? No, it's literally just like made up. And, Nonsense. Yeah, I know. It's like made up by curlers, and it basically just means let's have a good time is well, the easiest, most well, logical way to say it. Jordan, I um, I hope you tear your Achilles, so good luck, <sighs> buddy. Thanks. You'd really have to be doing <laughs> some work to tear your Achilles. Let's see how out of shape Jordan is. <laughs> I mean, coming sure. out of the hack, man, you got some angle on that, just bitch. Make, okay. make sure. On your sliding foot. Okay, plus you're on ice. Well, the other thing is, even if he did tear his Achilles, he could still curl because he'll have that little uh, cart that you mm. kneel on. They could just push you down on that. Mm. So that ain't going to stop One little nobody. cart. Yeah. You know, when you tear your Achilles, you have the little cart and you, like, <gasps> oh, kneel on it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That wouldn't affect you Dude, at all. and they have, like, s- big sticks that you can put on the handle of the rocks. <laughs> like, old people use them because they, they, they can't crouch down and shoot out of the hack. It's just what happens. Oh. And you, like, shoot it and, like, just put your curl on it with this stick. And as it goes, it just releases the stone. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Lame ass bitches. It, it's literally ice shuffleboard at that point. 
Ice bumper shuffleboard. Hey, those old people need something to do. Come on. Yeah, but they don't have to cheat that much. Well, yeah. It's it's hard to move around when you're old. That's what everyone in the, uh, God, what is it? I think it's the Tuesday <laughs> 2 o'clock p.m. league uses. That's because they got nowhere else to be on Tuesday. <laughs> it's also called the Millionaires League. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. They don't know it's called that, but it's a lot of very old, very well-to-do people. Our, our elders get no goddamn respect, do they? No. People talking shit behind Listen, their I, back. I respect my gramp, gramps and my grand grams. you going to call him Millionaires Boys Club? That was a faction in the WCW, well, in fact. <laughs> the Millionaire's Club. I mean, my, my Grandpa Fox, technically, yes. He's a millionaire? Was. Well, damn, I'm glad we know you. How's that going to help us? Yeah, I didn't well, get shit He was from a millionaire. Him. He's dead already. Oh. The money's been divested. Into his children. His stupid children. Which will eventually leak its way to me. Whatever's left. Oh, so we gotta wait for some others to perish. You just gotta wait for my dad to die. You can have the okay. scraps. Which, honestly, I hope never happens. Yeah, okay, I thought you were gonna say, which, honestly, I hope happens pretty quick. No! <laughs> okay, is, does Norm know about the money? Does Norm know? Because he's he, gonna, he's he gonna take to your know. dad out. He's gonna take your damn dad out, so and I, I you. keep an eye and on him. Norm has to be written in the will. <laughs> Although, not gonna lie, I don't think Norm's too much longer. Can he get cat dentures or implants? I feel like that's just a very uh, excessive expenditure you know, at this point in his life. When you're rich as fuck, you might as well. Why that's not? true. Oh, yeah, if I had money to just blow, be like, fuck it, give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> give him a sick fucking grill. All right, we have gone off on 38 tangents. We are 20 <laughs> minutes into the podcast. Oh, uh, Cody, I need to ask you about your week. You said it was lame. Yeah, it's same Cody, as usual. your week's trash. My week's trash, too, yeah. so we don't need to worry about that. And, <laughs> Cody, I'm going to hand the reins over to you, and you're going to get started. All right, so we're we're going back in time, and we're going to study a uh, very interesting religious uh, subject. So the subject of today's discussion is set in the city of Corvallis, Oregon, beginning... Corvallis! You know where that is? I know all about hitchhiker murders that happened in Corvallis. <laughs> well, this is 1903. It might be a little before, a little before that. that. Yeah. yeah, Horse, Horse hikers. hikers. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. Me and Jordan are brothers now. <laughs> now, it is said that Corvallis is one of the many settlements that was near the very end of the Oregon Trail. Many immigrants would travel this treacherous trail in their covered wagons before reaching what they had seen as the promised land. And so many of those souls were lost to dysentery. Mm-hmm. You know what? You gotta leave the kids on the trail. It's part of the part of the trail, I guess. My entire family, including my oldest son, Cockboy, was buried on the side of the Oregon Trail with dysentery. It's because you stocked up on witch hazel when you're when you're taking off. That's right. <laughs> They would set up settlements such as Amity, Sweet Home, Salem, Aurora, and Corvallis. Corvallis is said to mean heart of the valley. Mm. They claim the soil was so rich in this area, vegetables would grow to gigantic proportions. Mm. The trees hung with huge prunes and had the finest walnuts on earth. Listen, man, those prunes and walnuts, that's what's selling me. Makes me want to move to Corvallis. It's a, it's I, a good poop. I learned, I didn't know where prunes came from, but apparently they hang on trees. Oh, I would have so, figured they were a vine Yeah, like a grape, kind of, but apparently they hang on trees. I don't know. Prune tree. Hmm. So vetch and clover would grow so thick it would stop the wheels of powered farm machinery. Did you know what vetch was? Mm Mm-mm. I had to look this up. It's just like a shitty flower. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so all the... weed? Basically. So when I was reading, um, I read this in two different... From two different books... And they were taken from old town records or, like, newspapers, and they used a lot of words that I've never heard of before, so Hell I had to, yeah. like, re-look them up. <laughs> yeah. you know, like Old-timey slang. Like when you read something and it's calling everything queer, but yeah. they're meaning, not meaning, like, in Just a, strange. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> well, today, Corvallis is actually a decent-sized city of about 55,000 citizens. In 1903, it could still be considered in its infancy. Corvallis became a city in January 15th, 1857, but didn't experience a population boom until 1889 when they built an electrical plant, courthouse, street street railway, flour mill, Hotel Corvallis. Sounds sexy. And 
a carriage factory. Somebody dumped some money in this town. Yes. Yeah. These guys are, uh, we're going to learn about the villagers. They're a little bit snooty. Mmm, so, bougie little bastards. They, they refer to them as the pioneers. Oh. So, you know, they're assholes. <laughs> now, the main character of our tale is named Franz Edmund Creffield. Not too much is known about Creffield's childhood, where he was from, or where he had came from. But Creffield arrived in Corvallis sometime in 1902, and by all accounts, appeared to be a Salvation Army worker. <laughs> That is not the Salvation Army worker we know today, but a soldier of Christ, as they were called, and he was effectively a Christian evangelist missionary. Awesome. Did you guys know all that? Mm-mm. No. Is that what they used to do? That's what they used to do. They were like just missionaries, kind of. Is they... that why they hate homosexuals now? <laughs> do they? Yeah. Well, then, yes, I assume that's why. He was 35 years old, smooth-shaven, short of stature, and had large brown eyes. Most remembered his slight native German accent. Mm. Now, in 1903, just a few months after he arrived in town, Crawfield had either lost or was discharged from his religious group and had disappeared for a while. It seems like he was probably living in the woods that surrounded the town. Now, Crawfield claims while in these woods... He was all of a sudden surrounded by what he called a great light. Hell yes. While he was within this great light, God had chosen to speak directly to Crawfield and give him instructions on what he should do. I have a quick question. Yes. Uh, Why does God only appear to, like, (laughs) wood-dwelling idiots? I don't know. Like, how come he doesn't show up a little more publicly? Yeah. Maybe this guy was sad. He felt like he lost his way of Christ. I'm going to get that answer for you. I'm going to go live in the woods for a couple months. (laughs) Okay. And God's going to talk to me, and he's going to tell me why. When you see your great light, you let me know. Oh, yeah. When I I read the word great light, all I kept thinking of was, like, the mirror shield from Zelda for some reason. I was thinking great fairy. Like, What if she came up and wished him, told him what to do? I will say, in 98, definitely would have. But these days, she looks disgusting. She's a little blocky. Mm. She's got big pyramid titties. (laughs) (laughs) We are not sure how long he was in the woods, but after speaking with God, he returned to the city of Corvallis. This time, he was fully equipped with what they called... Old Testament whiskers or a Moses-style beard that went down to his chest. His hair was severely unkept and hanging below his shoulders. Both were reddish, golden brown in color. So kind of a ginger, I guess. Yeah. Craig. (laughs) Full Craig. His voice even changed from the once humble soldier of Christ type to what people claimed was a loud, booming voice that sounded like muffled light or muffled thunder. Mm. Many would come to believe this was an appropriate voice for the authority of Jehovah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Loud, okay. booming, powerful, thunder. You're going to be a prophet. You need that boom. <laughs> the final step in his transformation was to ditch the poultry name of Franz Edmund Creffield. He was now known as the <laughs> prophet Joshua II. I think you meant paltry. Paltry. <laughs> <laughs> Those goddamn chicken names. <laughs> I would totally name my chicken Franz Edmund Creffield. <laughs> but anyway, he was now he is now calling himself the prophet Joshua II. And he was the sole member of the Church of the Bride of Christ. Oh, is that the one online that you can get ordained through? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, I don't no, know. that is the Universal Life Church. Oh, that's the rapey one. No, that's the children. That's what the children of the God, children of God, became. Is it really the Universal whatever church? Yeah. Maybe it's not that one. Then. Or maybe that's the Family International. I think it's Family yeah, International. Yeah, it's Family International. Okay. Universal Life Church is who I got my ministership from. <laughs> oh, you're probably, it's probably just a fake one that sells marriage licenses, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, it was good enough for the uh, county of Anoka County. Yeah, so. That's all that matters. Within just a month of his return, he would have several converts, mostly consisting of women. Now, it's speculated that he was able to easily do this because perhaps Corvallis was lacking a bit in the spiritual department, and many were possibly bored with their monotonous lives. They didn't have radios, movies, bridge clubs, or other such activities to keep themselves entertained with. They could have had the third one. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe cards were illegal in Corvallis. Uh, 
Puritan card laws. Satan's cards. Forgot about those ones. It should also be known that Joshua was known for having a very charismatic personality. Some claimed it was damn near hypnotic, which we all know is the perfect thing for any aspiring cult leader. The other critical thing was in the beginning of the cult, it was mostly kept in secret. Most of the fathers in town had no idea what their wives, siblings, or daughters were up to. God damn. (laughs) I don't like how you went from religion to cult. Well, in I mean, like two te- sentences. Well, what else did you call it? The cult a religion. Cri- the cult of Christianity, bro. I guess. The first meetings were held in converts' homes. Initially, there were six men and a huge flock of ladies. Joshua would, <laughs> Joshua would preach at these meetings that the world was wrong and needed to change. It was a message directly from God himself. Right from Hove. <laughs> now, one by one, the men would slowly lose interest... But the flow of women wanting to join just kept increasing. God. I feel like that would uh, pique the men's interest. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that? That would drive me out. That's a target-rich environment. I gotta get <laughs> well, there. Well, I think you would stay in there. That's what I mean. Yeah, drive yeah, me yeah. out of my house to the church. I don't know. It doesn't say why the men left. Does this left. prick? Does this prick think he is the son of Joshua, the prophet Joshua? I don't. It doesn't say. He just changes his name to Joshua the second. He's a prick. <laughs> Once all the men were gone, all that was left was the flock of ladies, Prophet Joshua II, and his personal stooge named Brother Brooks. Everybody needs a lackey. They literally kept calling him his personal stooge. (laughs) I feel like... Entertain me, Jester. (laughs) They continued their meetings as usual, but switched to doing everything in the afternoon when none of the other men in town were around. Mm -hmm. Very smart. Keep that pussy for yourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything was not going as good as it may appear because, much like every good prophet, follows a Judas. We do. (laughs) They literally called it. Well, I'm going to tell you what they called her. We do not know exactly who this female Judas was, but she would give others an idea of what exactly was going on during these meetings. She said Joshua would pull all the blinds down and then begin to start his religious chanting, swaying in rhythm, waving his arms. Whipping and, his dick out. <laughs> we're getting to that part. Hell yeah. And calling upon what he referred to as the full spirit to descend upon the meeting. Never heard him been called full spirit before. Let me get the full spirit. It's like, it's like a Goku spirit bomb. I, <laughs> I don't want spirit light. I want a full bodied spirit. <laughs> the woman and girls would begin to do the same. Chanting and moaning, they would begin to speak in tongues and cry aloud with the prophet. Just <laughs> dripping, all of them. <laughs> yep. Once they once they were all in rhythm, the prophet's eyes would roll in the back of his head. Then like a thunderbolt, the prophet voice yelled out, Fire clothes be gone! <laughs> Joshua then swiftly disrobed himself, and the women followed suit. The woman would throw off their peekaboo waist, skirts, and petticoats. They wildly tore off their whalebone corsets, all while moaning loudly. Now naked, Joshua yelled out, Call ye sinners, roll. <laughs> then they did jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to be a black belt very soon. <laughs> this is just a nice jujitsu dojo. <laughs> the naked woman, Joshua, and Brother Brooks dropped to the ground and all began rolling happily. (laughs) Not long after this reported meeting, Prophet Joshua would inform his flock what the true mission of the Church of the Bride of Christ was. He informed them that the Lord had commanded that he find that special woman among his followers to become the second mother of Christ. Of course... Prophet Joshua would need to be the one to have sex with the women to determine who would be, in fact, the one. Right. <laughs> right. Christ can't go in any womb. No. Joshua knows which womb. <laughs> he knows which one Mary Mother Magdalene too is going to bear the child. Yep. <laughs> While this caused plenty of women to leave, plenty would still remain. In fact, even more joined, and they would need to find another location because the house was not large enough to hold them all any longer. That's so this so dude dope. is literally swimming in poon. He, he is. <laughs> he is. <laughs> now it is suspected that Joshua II actually suffered from something called satiresis, 
which is an uncontrollable or excessive sexual desire in men similar to nymphomania. Ooh. So I think they're probably the same thing. They just call it nymphomania now, and gotcha. this is what they call it, old-timey. Gotcha. Now, the location they would move the cult to was called Kigger Island. Here, everyone would come together and begin constructing large wigwams covered in pine tree branches. Mm, that's <laughs> cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, that's what they called them. Sorry. <laughs> Plenty of women would build small tents or build their own wigwams. Women from 14 to 55 would all come together to build their small slice of heaven. One of the most willing workers was one of the most beautiful named Esther Mitchell. She would prove to be one of the most devout followers of Joshua. Mm. All throughout the summer of 1903, every afternoon, the spiritual meetings would be conducted. Locals claimed their invocation of the full spirit was so loud it could be heard on the mainland. (laughs) Years later, a woman told the story of a small wigwam that was referred to as the Whipping Palace. (laughs) God damn, he's into BDSM. (laughs) Adam knows about that after his Reddit explorations. Yes, I know all about it. Have you been to the Whipping Palace or Whipping Place? I'm I'm about ready to go there, but uh, I haven't yet. Here, Joshua would use the switch to whip girls or women to, quote, drive out the devils. (laughs) When the weather became colder and heavy rain followed, it was no longer suitable for the naked rolling. So they would move to a man's house named O.P. Hunt. I don't know what O.P. stands (laughs) for. Original (laughs) poster. I figured overpowered. (laughs) (laughs) Nerf nerf Hunt. He's (laughs) O.P. Now, Mr. Hunt was known for being a respected member of town, and locals were shocked when they noticed a huge sign hanging from his front door that read, Positively no admittance, except on God's business. (laughs) They also hung a smaller sign on the gate just in case you missed the bigger one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You might overlook something and be like, eh, that's a big-ass sign. I don't want to read it. It's too big. I'm going to just walk into this house. Unless you're here on God's business, stay out. God damn it. Beware of God. Beware of the full spirit. Now, a local reporter who would be allowed to visit the premises and wrote this. Certain caprices of religious fantasism have been manifested at the house that are so unusual (laughs) as to suggest a condition bordering insanity. Walk about the house have been torn away. Much of the furniture of the house has been reduced to ashes in a bonfire (laughs) held last night in the yard on the theory that God wills it. (laughs) The shrubbery and fruit trees and all flowers have been digged up and destroyed. (laughs) Kitchen utensils have been beaten to pieces and buried. (laughs) It is reported that house cats and dogs may have been cremated. Oh, fuck. I was like, how do you beat kitchen utensils into pieces? Aren't they metal still? It might have been plastic. You can can beat plastic into submission. (laughs) Were they even making plastic in 1903? I don't think so. So Joshua and Brother Bro- Brooks, what can I say his <laughs> fucking name? So Joshua and Brother Brooks would would be taken to the courthouse for a sanity hearing. Joshua was not happy with this and told local sheriff Henderson to to not quote talk that way to God's anointed. <laughs> Surprisingly, they were found sane, and Josh- Joshua was said to have laughed all the way out the front door of the courthouse. <laughs> what a fucking dude. <laughs> After this, Mr. Hunt decided he wanted nothing more to do with the prophet. <laughs> a printed photograph was circulating around town. Some heretic had took his camera and recorded a short film of the meeting that had taken place on Kigger Island. Mm-hmm. It showed Joshua very naked, <laughs> as well as several women all rolling around on the ground. Even though it was 1903 in the film, you could still tell exactly who these people were. So, Damn. It's, so it's not like uh, me trying to watch cable porno on uh, <laughs> Spice Channel. It's got, yeah. It did say, like, I think that's a titty that just waved by. Either that or an elbow. It Either said, way, I'm jerking. It said it was like just like three second film. But they had printed so many prints and hung them out around town, the film got destroyed. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They really have it out for this guy already. Oh, we're on, we're on a long adventure with Prophet Joshua, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> 
Now that the local fathers and husbands were enraged, they would pack up their wives and children and send them off to a state hospital or homes for wayward girls. Damn! Hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> they did Because they're a rapist all up in here. I was like, what the fuck? They're just sending them off to schools and shit? Holy, Holy fuck. Shit. <laughs> Very quickly, Joshua lost 15 of his converts and many others were warned to stay away from him. Of course, they would not listen. Oh, thank God for Joshua's dick. <laughs> mm. <laughs> On the evening of January 4th, 1904, a band of men gathered at the house of Joshua and Brother Brooks. Mind you, none of them were attempting to conceal their identities, and most of the people here were citizens of, quote, high standing. The noble class. <laughs> they grabbed the two of them, drugged them to the outskirts of town, where they would notice a pot of tar heating over a fire. (laughs) That's going to feel great. (laughs) They forced them to strip and were promptly tarred and feathered. Whoa, Joshua and Brother Brooks. Yep, they got them both. What did Brother Brooks ever do in this besides having a goofy name? (laughs) I picture him as a dumb little Quasimodo. To be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. I was picturing like that monk haircut, uh-huh, like a brown uh-huh, robe on uh-huh. all the time. Like a mixture between uh, Quasimodo and brother whatever from, what and, was the brother from uh, Robin Hood? Oh, uh. Briar. <laughs> I was going to say Sam. <laughs> Briar Bear. I don't remember. No, Is he it the was tall one? Friar. Friar. Friar <laughs> Tuck? Uh, I think so. Who knows? It works, whatever. The locals then told them to stay the hell out of Corvallis. After this, Brother Brooks would never be heard from ever again, but Joshua's story is far from over. The wife of O.P. Hunt and her young daughter Maud would search the woods and would find the prophet hiding in agony. They took him back to their house and cleaned him up. He dropped his title of Joshua II for now and married Miss Maud Hunt. Just, uh, uh, oh, see you later, OP. Yeah. I feel like that just uh, escalated (laughs) real fast. I think he's like, I got your tars and your tar and feathers off. All right, let's get married. Okay. Deal. Even though they told him to stay out of Corvallis, many believe now that he was married to a respectable, upstanding woman like Maud, he would drop his stupid cult leader ideals. Mm. Perhaps he had finally found the mother of the second coming of Christ. Yes. But. And that was this week's no. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good day, everyone. We'll see ya. (laughs) But that was not the case. Joshua soon left his new wife and headed for Portland to commune with a married woman who had been one of his followers on Kigger Island. The woman's husband soon discovered they were fucking and a warrant <laughs> and a warrant was set out for Joshua II on charges of adultery but Joshua had already fled the scene wait adultery was an actual charge back in the oh, day yeah they they set out a warrant for him I'll get my ex-wife and give her the fucking death penalty <laughs> <laughs> if she okay you'd be cool with it if she left with Joshua though right Oh, yeah, he's charismatic. <laughs> and he's got a swinging hog, apparently. So. <laughs> now, O.P. Hun, Joshua's newly found father-in-law, was offering a reward of $150 for information leading to his arrest. <laughs> Mon Hunt Cruffield also secured a divorce. Nearly three months would pass, and the police were still looking for the prophet. Until sometime in June of 1904... O.P. Hunt's adopted son, young Roy, made a horrific discovery. I don't want to know. Why does he have an adopted son? I don't. Along and they, with and a they, cult leader son-in-law? And they call him young Roy. Whatever. Hey, young Roy, come over here. <laughs> young Roy. Hey, did please tell me O.P. and Maud got back together, though. No, uh, Maud is just his daughter. Yeah, it's like 1904. Please oh, yeah, you right. they got back together. Yeah. But his wife also likes... Joshua. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So young Roy was crawling underneath the Hunt's house in search of a tin can for worms to take on his fishing trip. Mm. Roy then was terrified when he noticed a wide-eyed, bearded man staring at him from underneath the home. (laughs) Roy rushed out screaming. Mr. Hunt peered underneath the home and promptly contacted the police. That sounds like how Cody wakes up in the morning. Well, used to. That's in my nightmare. Until I shave. (laughs) The police... (laughs) Cody's digging under the house for worms, and there's Jordan. He's like, gotta get my worms for work. Hey, you guys Get the fuck out of here. That's the best place for worms. It sure is. 
The police pulled the prophet from underneath the home. He was completely naked. His hair and beard were severely matted and disheveled. He clearly had not been bathing since he was absolutely filthy. The police then discovered Joshua II's secret that he was extremely well endowed. (laughs) The police literally had to mention how big his dick was. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) The police officer asked, You're Creffield, ain't ya? I am Joshua. (laughs) They pieced together how he had been surviving under the home for nearly two months. The prophet was living under the home completely naked. The only clothing he had was a filthy quilt. Mrs. Hunt and other devout followers had been smuggling him jars of fruit and scraps of food. Oh, God. Joshua was then put on trial for adultery, with Judge Sears overseeing the case. Joshua openly admitted to sleeping with a married woman, but told the judge, Christ broke the Sabbath day, and the Jews put him to death. I've broken your laws. And you will undoubtedly do the same to me. Like Christ, however. I will rise again, and ye all shall suffer. Oh, and this judge don't know what he just did. Judge right. Sears. <laughs> he opened up a tin can of worms. <laughs> the jury then headed to the jury room and returned 12 minutes later with the verdict of guilty. <laughs> After the ju- <laughs> 12 minutes. They didn't even get lunch. No. They sat down and were like, okay, we have to make it seem like we thought about this. <laughs> After, the judge asked him if he had anything to say before sentencing. Joshua began to recite misquoted scriptures and said he forgave the jury for not understanding who exactly he was. Judge Sears then said, Two years in state prison. God bless you. <laughs> And so, Joshua was transported to Salem Penitentiary on September 16th, 1904. His prison number was 4941. 4941. <laughs> you can tell this is a... Takashi 4941. <laughs> you can tell this is a new prison because he's only 4941. I think they have like 16 numbers now. Oh, yeah, he was processed early. <laughs> The jailhouse barber would force Joshua to shave all of his beloved hair and beard off. The barber later would tell people how sad this would make Joshua. Hey, if you're a prophet, you have to make sacrifices. (laughs) That's a good point. Fifteen months later, he would be released and decided to head for Los Angeles, but didn't stay long before heading to San Francisco. Nobody really knows what he was doing or how he had survived during this time, but soon word got back to the men of Corvallis that the prophet had been writing letters to 17-year-old Esther Mitchell. Mm. In the letters, he had wrote to Esther that God had delivered a clear message (laughs) directly from heaven that Esther was chosen to become the second mother of Christ. (laughs) We don't know know what exactly Esther wrote back, but she did, in fact, write back to him. Joshua also sent a letter to his ex-father-in-law, Mr. Hunt, that said, God has resurrected me. (laughs) I have now got my foot on your neck. God has restored me to my own. I will return to Oregon and gather together all of my followers. Place no obstruction in my way, or God will smite you. Joshua 2. <laughs> <laughs> the prophet also wrote a letter to his ex-wife, Maud Hunt, who is now living with her brother and his wife, Mr. and Mrs. Frank Hunt. Maud replied to Joshua that she would love to remarry him if he came to the Puget Sound Metro. <laughs> <laughs> so Joshua did just that. And the two were remarried by an Orthodox minister. But he has 17-year-old Esther Mitchell on her way. He's got her cooking in the background. Yeah. He's got, he's got, he can have multiple women. So his, He's a prophet. His <laughs> ex-wife is his uh, appetizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting ready for the old why would she? Why would she agree to remarry him again? I'm just like, what are you doing? And she's the one who secured the divorce. <laughs> I know. <laughs> These people are fucking nuts, dude. The things we do for love. It's I need to point. find someone who's dumb enough to do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> After they were married, Joshua wanted to return to a desolate area on the Oregon coast. Here, he would once again re-establish his flock and create a true Garden of Eden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Far enough away from any detractors who would try to bother them, but he needed some cash to pull this off. 
So he suggested to Mr. and Mrs. Frank Hunt to sell off their home in Seattle and purchase the land for the Garden of Eden in Oregon mm. for the glory of God. Mm. Man, if they would have held on to that uh, house in <laughs> Seattle, they'd probably be sitting pretty right now. Oh, well, they'd be long dead by then, but yes, I guess so. So oh, his... Uh, way to be ageist. His brother and sister-in-law yep. now, right? Yep. Okay. He uh, he convinces them to sell their house. Yeah. Joshua told Maude and the Hunts to head over to the remote area south of Waldport, Oregon as an advanced party. Joshua would heed the call to his faithful to join them. He also warned Maude and the Hunts, do not leave the Garden of Eden or do so at your own peril. Wow. This guy was ahead of the game as far as like... He's smart as yeah. shit for He's cult a, leadership. Yeah, like isolation and all that. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very smart and very early. So Mr. Hunt asked... Peril? Peril. Yes, Brother Hunter. <laughs> I have called down the wrath of an angry god on these modern Sodoms of Seattle, <laughs> of Portland, of San Francisco... Of Corvallis itself. <laughs> Have no fear, Brother Hunt. My faithful return to the fold. All of them. They will leave all behind them. Their scoffing fathers, their brothers, their husbands. And come to our Eden. He then chanted a curse. A curse, oh God, on San Francisco, on Portland, on Corvallis, on Seattle, on Dasher, on Dancer. On Prancer, on Vixen. <laughs> on Cody and Adam's workplace, that's what we oh need a curse on. Yes, please, God. <laughs> please, oh God. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. <laughs> on April 18th, 1906, Joshua was once again in Oregon, of course, avoiding Corvallis. Smart move. He would board a train headed for Newport, and at the next station, he would reunite with Maud and the two hunts. They were speechless and informed him of the total destruction of San Francisco from earthquakes and fires that had happened that day. Holy shit, that's good timing. Uh Uh-huh. Joshua let out a huge smile and said, I knew it. I knew that God would respond. (laughs) The other cities of the plain will be next. We must rouse the faithful before it is too late. This fucking guy. (laughs) He's awesome. (laughs) Now, Joshua had been sending letters through the mail all throughout Corvallis. It seems, of course, he wouldn't dare leave out the fact that he had the power to command God to destroy San Francisco. That's a good... That's a good... (laughs) Start out with that. That's a good leader. (laughs) Within 24 hours, train men of the Corvallis and Eastern Railroad would remember a huge volume of women boarding the trains. Middle-aged women with their babies, middle-aged women with their grown daughters, middle-aged women alone, and young girls who had ran away from home. Hell yeah. Of course, the beautiful Esther Mitchell was en route. There were two trains that would leave Corvallis every day, and it kept bringing more and more ladies. Once they reached the location in Waldport, they would have to be ferried across to the Garden of Eden. Hmm. Oh. The citizens of Waldport knew of the prophet and his alleged curse he had put on San Francisco, but they just took him for a kook. Mm, Smart. Now, back in Corvallis, the local men obviously began to notice all of of the women and girls missing. They're like, not again, (laughs) goddammit. All right. Form a pile. (laughs) Teens would head out for school and disappear. One husband just found a note on his pillow from his wife. She told him she had heard the call and she had to leave. (laughs) One girl actually walked 90 miles to reach her beloved prophet. Jesus. This more than I'm willing to drive most of the time. (laughs) Exactly. This is the note she left with her family. I don't want to leave in the daytime because the children will see me and cry to go with me. I must leave when they are asleep. I have taken $2.50 out of your money. This will not pay my fare, and I will still have to walk 90 miles or more to where I want to go. Ooh, I wonder how much $2.50 was. That's like a rent check, isn't it? Fucking probably. (laughs) Now with his flock together in the Garden of Eden, consisting of 40 to 50 women and two men, two smart men, I guess, (laughs) Joshua began to have more and more revelations. 
one message was that Corvallis would be the next sinful city to be, to be destroyed by God's wrath. <laughs> Another message from God was for everyone to burn all of their clothing and wear sort of a holy wrapper. You know, it's like a tortilla that we went ahead and threw some holy water on there. It literally, it doesn't really describe what this holy wrapper was, but I can only imagine like some gold thin piece of paper or something. Sure, I don't it was know. Reynolds aluminum foil. <laughs> Good for baked potatoes, good for hot chips. (laughs) The girls were screaming and moaning as they watched their clothing burn in a giant bonfire. While something called the Garden of Eden sounds fantastic, it was actually quite horrible. They had nothing more than shitty little wigwams to live in. Everyone had to sleep on the ground, and any food they had had to be cooked over an open fire and was just bland. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the open fire thing, like, that's not bad for cooking food. They but have, if it's bland... They had no spices I or mean, nothing. it is white people. <laughs> <laughs> now, the father of the girl who had walked all the way to meet the prophet was pissed. <laughs> he wanted to get revenge. So he would first purchase a thirty-two caliber revolver and a box of cartridges. <laughs> When he reached the ferry that was transporting the cult members, he just so happened to spot the bearded prophet and a group of his devout followers. Let's go. He quickly pointed the gun at Joshua and pulled the trigger, but it just clicked no. and clicked through all five chambers. Joshua just looked at the man smiling and told his ladies, See, you see, no man can kill Joshua. <laughs> the man ended up returning back to Corvallis with his tail between his legs he later told his friends this it was the goddamn fool who (laughs) sold me them cartridges and gun the gun is center fire and the cartridges are rim fire (laughs) that that's why that ass is still alive I don't know that much about firearms, but is that a thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So shouldn't a guy selling firearms yes. know what the difference? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, it's like 1904, 1905. Yeah. I, mm. <laughs> if you're selling yeah. both the gun and the ammo, yeah, yeah you, you should, should know. know. <laughs> so the men in the town of Curvallis had had enough. They decided to form a posse, fully equipped with rifles and revolvers, headed to the Garden of Eden, but... When they finally arrived at the cult's headquarters, Joshua must have been forewarned, and he was long gone, presumably hiding in the woods nearby. Mm, He's just, like, under the nearest shrub, like, (laughs) (laughs) idiot ain't gonna find me here. (laughs) After George Mitchell, the brother of Esther, heard the news of the failed posse, he decided to head out on his own with his revolver in search of the prophet. After a bit of collecting information, he learned that Joshua and Maude had headed to Seattle. So on the morning of May 7th, 1906, George's train arrived in Seattle. Mm. We are not sure if George knew exactly where to find the prophet, but at 8 a.m. that morning, he spotted Joshua and Maude outside of their cheap rooming house they were staying in. He followed them until Joshua stopped at Quick's Drug Store mm. outside was a weighing machine, and Maud wanted to use it. Of course she did. <laughs> George then snuck up behind Joshua. He placed the muzzle of the gun on Joshua's left ear and pulled the trigger. Joshua seemed to die almost instantly. Hell yeah. A police officer was nearby and ran over to the scene. George was calm and just handed his gun to the officer. I feel like that would never happen today, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd done it. <laughs> Maud frank- frantically told the officer, This man, this man is my husband, Joshua the prophet. He will arise in three days and walk. <laughs> the officer replied, Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His brains are all over the ground. Yeah. Uh, he ain't getting up, ma'am. <laughs> George Mitchell was taken into custody and by all accounts just remained calm and was even happy about what he had done. Now, a week after the shooting, a man driving a timber cruiser named George Hodges had stumbled across the Garden of Eden. He found women were still living at the garden and were starving. Mm. The remaining members had no idea Joshua had been killed. So George told them, But this prophet of yours, he is dead. He was shot and killed in Seattle a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) The women 
then just crazily laughed and told them, Joshua could not be killed. They had witnessed someone attempt it before and failed. <laughs> George just left them some food and contacted the authorities. Soon the men from Corvallis would come and help get these brainwashed women away from the Garden of Eden. Good. No, you you leave those breadcrumbs the nice trucker left alone. You come with me. Uh, we got to go to the state hospital or a boarding school now. Now, with the trial of George Mitchell underway, plenty of people had things to say about the prophet Joshua. William D. Gardner, who is a superintendent of the Oregon Boys and Girls Aid Society, testified that a large number of girls had been sent from Corvallis. We remember that. And many of them confessed to, quote, criminal relations with mm. the prophet. I think mm. that's a nice... Back in those times, that means anal. Mm. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> the district attorney of Portland named John Manning said, Crefield was a degenerate of the worst sort. He practiced unspeakable brutalities on ignorant and unsophisticated girls. I feel like that's insulting the girls. Unsophistic- it sounds harsh. <laughs> yeah. It like it sounds harsh. Unsophisticated is real bad. <laughs> ignorant, slightly less bad, but still, he just called them I don't dumb. know. I think ignorant would be worse than unsophisticated, wouldn't it? I don't know, yeah, man. They're both bad. It's like stupid and easy girls is basically <laughs> what he's saying. Another father from Corvallis said Joshua convinced his daughter to leave Oregon State College in her last term because he told her all she was learning was the work of the devil. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The father said, She even destroyed the graduation dress she had been working on all winter. (laughs) Oh. Mind you, his wife was also obsessed with Joshua. She destroyed all the family (laughs) dishes except Mm -hmm. the plain white crockery. Mm. Even worse, when the husband said he wanted something to eat, she told him to make it himself. What? How evil. What? Listen, if there is anything I learned what? in or from movies about like the 1950s and home economics, the women are just supposed to be barefoot in the kitchen, cook, barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. That's what it is. I literally read that his testimony in the work trial that he was mad his wife wouldn't make him dinner. Oh, what well, a the, fucking the asshole. cheek on that woman, the cheek on her. <laughs> How dare she disrespect her husband what like that? What a cheeky broad. That is the godly appointed head of the household. Yeah, he's bringing in the money or something. Many state that during the entire trial, Esther Mitchell just sat there, stone faced, showing no sign of emotion for her brother. The courtroom was also filled with women, presumably members of Joshua's cult, and they kept throwing flowers at George Mitchell, and every day had to be removed by the judge. (laughs) George Mitchell made this statement to the court. I came here to kill this man because he ruined my two sisters. I have completed my work. (laughs) Damn. Fucking John Wick over there. Hell yeah. (laughs) After the trial was over... The jury would deliberate for just over an hour and came back with the verdict of... Come on, come on. Not guilty. (laughs) George's friends and family were all celebrating the verdict, but Esther refused to go near her brother and just left the courtroom quietly. Two days later, George and his two brothers, Fred and Perry, were waiting at the King Street Station in Seattle, preparing to head back to Oregon. Then Fred spotted his sister, Esther. She was sporting a jaunty new sailor hat and wearing a very short skirt, coming almost to the top of her shoes. Oh, what a debutante. (laughs) We're going to see goddamn ankle. And those men are going to be... That's going to make... Listen, I see ankle now. I explode in my pants. (laughs) Definitely. She might be an unsophisticated girl. She seems unsophisticated. Ignorant and unsophisticated. Uh You can't be wearing anything that that shows ankle around this time. (laughs) That's a mini skirt, man. (laughs) Esther then joined her brothers, even grabbed George by the hand, but... Not saying a single word. Oh. Esther then reached her right hand into her coat and pulled out a small pearl-handled revolver and quickly placed it on George's left ear and pulled the trigger. Mm. George dropped to the floor instantly. That is revenge for her husband. <laughs> right. Mm. Jesus Christ. Esther. He's w- dead and his <laughs> dick is still working uh-huh. magic. Esther was then arrested and when asked why she killed her brother, 
Esther informed the police that George had killed God in the form of Joshua the prophet. Right. It had to be done. She even made sure to shoot him in the exact same way he had killed Joshua. Right. After a bit more questioning, they learned that Esther Mitchell and Maude Crefield were the ones who had conspired to kill George. Whoa, both of them? Both of them. Both his wife and his side girl. I mean, teamwork <laughs> makes the dream work. Hell yes, it does. <laughs> Esther, of course, being the one who agreed to pull the trigger, both of them would be tried on charges of murder. Esther would be found not guilty because of a unsound mind. Sure. I kind of <laughs> really? like that one. <laughs> I kind of like that charge. So now she's ignorant, unsophisticated, and unsound. Unsound, yep. Yeah. She would be committed to the Washington State Hospital. In the meantime, Maude was being held in the local county jail prior to her trial and took matters into her own hands. No. One morning, the matron of the jail found Maude's dead body. She had poisoned herself with strychnine. Mm. Uh, We've had encounters with that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Esther would have spent the next three years in the asylum. Two days after she was released, witnesses recalled her asking about where her brother George Mitchell was buried. We don't know if she found it, but just a few weeks after that, she would die at the home of her friends not far from Waldport that was close to the area once known as the Garden of Eden. And that's the story. So she... She was super young. She was so young. She had to be like maybe 22. 21, 22... When she died, and for some reason, she just, like, died right... It doesn't say if she poisoned herself or anything, but she died real close to the Garden of Eden, so... And she must have been under his spell since before she was 17, though. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yes. Because she knew about him when he was... That's why the story kind of mentions her, because she's one of the main characters later on, but... Everybody said she was like the prettiest girl in the right. entire flock, so that's why he really, really liked her. He really fucking fucked her up. Mm-hmm. See, like when you're reading the story, it doesn't go explicitly into the sexual activity, but it's very strongly implied that he was sleeping with all of these women because sure. Cody say right, he was raping all okay. of these women. Yes. It's rape. Yes, raping then. It's rape. Yeah, so he's not a good guy. No. I, I was super glad when he got his brains blown <laughs> out. Yeah, that was pretty tight. But he, then I wasn't happy. And dude was just so casual, like, fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny, like, all the coincidences that just kind of kept letting him slide and slide yeah. and slide. The great San Francisco earthquake, like, just yeah. happened as he pushed San Francisco. <laughs> yep. Look at that, I was right. What a, what a beast. <laughs> Either way, he's an asshole, and I hate him. <laughs> yeah. But this was he a is. great episode, Cody. I know. he. This shit is funny as fuck, so I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, we had to bring something we can really make fun of after <laughs> the heavy month of March, and then the, the molasses flood. That, yeah, wasn't that was a, a good time. That wasn't a pleasant story. Just the second half wasn't yeah. pleasant. The first half, first I was having was a lot good. of fun. Oh, yeah. That, that's true. This one's only, like, mildly dark, I guess. Uh, This one's great. Yeah. I think this one's great, and I really think the audience is going to love it. Speaking, if you love it, you should tell me in the email. Please email me at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. If you really like the episode, you'll follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod and Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. Instagram being, of course, our main focus right now. We do have personal... Instagrams as well. I am at Bumble Adam. Jordan is at j.j.fox. Cody is at Bumblebutt Podcast. Uh, now it's time for the most important part of the show, at least if you ask Cody. Right. The iTunes review. And we did get some. I actually, hey. I was an unsophisticated girl last week because someone <laughs> <laughs> had sent me a one from England. Oh. And I forgot to read it because I'm a dipshit. So but oh. I'm going to get to it now. Let's do it. This is from the podcast Murder on Our Minds. Um, I've actually listened to them before. Very good. Are they Brits? They are Brits. Uh, they, che- che- actually, cheerio, that sort of thing. She actually uh, messaged me today when we asked if she thinks the queen is a cannibal. Uh-huh. And uh, she just said she didn't like the queen. So oh, Yeah, they don't like the monarchy <laughs> over there. It sounds like they don't like them just like we don't like our political figures here. So Yeah. But anyway, it's hilarious and witty banter. I don't normally enjoy male-only podcasts in groups as they tend to be abrasive and throw around casual sexism and abuse, <clears throat> Jordan. <laughs> however, oh, <yeah. laughs> however, this podcast is thoroughly enjoyable 
and effectively doles out inf- info without coming across as lewd, lewd brats. Well, Bas- that's nice. Yeah. I that's not that's, what my I granny that, says. But I <laughs> would have definitely thought we would get the opposite of that. Basically, they are great, and I definitely recommend. So uh, thank you, ladies, from Murders on Our Mind podcast. Check them out. Give I them will. Up. I will subscribe and give them a five-star review. Do it. As soon as we hit the stop button. <laughs> now, our other one is on ITES iTunes. It's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. From Gomez4994. It's a five star. His just says, dope, great content, and consistency. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Gomez. Apple finally gave us back our iTunes, I guess. Finally. (laughs) Dude. All right. So we had, that's a good week for reviews. That's a good week. Uh, If you really like us, please. I already said that already. But if you like (laughs) us really, then leave us a review. That would be really nice. Very much. Uh, all right. Uh, any other pressing business? I don't think so. All right. I've been Adam. Thank you, Adam. That has been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. That has been Jordan. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. All right. Uh, everybody, you know what to do. Have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. Hobber dabber. Hobber dabber. <laughs> I wish you were going to say worship Joshua's cock. <laughs>